Welcome to the Judaism From Within podcast, the podcast where we delve into, elaborate, and bring out the thinking and the ideas of Rav Shumshan Rafal Hirsch. I'm Simi Lerner. Not to hate. Now that is a commandment that people understand. Don't hate the sinner, hate the sin. It's a classic cliche that's trotted out. But often I feel there's something missing, especially with an emotion as powerful as hate. When is it appropriate? That's a genuine question to ask. When is it a good thing that all those negative characteristics and negative baggage that comes along with the emotion of hate, it's still worth it and it's appropriate. That's what Rav Hirsch does when he discusses this mitzvah, the commandment not to hate your brother, not to hate your fellow. That's one of the commandments in the Torah. And the reasoning for this, I think, can only be elaborated when you can actually point to its actual limit. Where is the fault line? At what point do we say, no, in this case, with all we just said, hate is appropriate. I do recognize that that's a strange way to go around this mitzvah. Often people will just tell you the devastating consequences that come along with it. But when is it worth it? I think that really lights up this commandment as something that can help us not only understand the emotion, but also other ideas that arise in the Torah. So to begin with, what do we mean by hate? Well, hate is directed at an individual. When hate is directed at an individual, Rav Hirsch says the hate is a manifestation of a deeper emotion. The deeper emotion is fear. Fear that that person's existence, his being, somehow diminishes my own. Now, let's just play that out less symbolically. If Bob exists, for some reason, Bob's continued existence somehow makes me feel incomplete. And with Bob being gotten rid of, Bob being out of the picture, his existence being annihilated, I will be more complete. Now, this could be stemming from two reasons. One, Bob is trying to get something that I want. And without this thing, I will be incomplete. Bob's existence is a constant hindrance to my completeness. And the reason why I say fear is a deeper root of this hate, which is a manifestation, is because there is something in the world that I feel I need to complete myself. If this person's continued existence prevents that, that is a fear of me being in this incomplete state perpetually. If that person's existence was only out of the picture, if Bob just simply was not here, I could be complete. So this is the first manifestation of hate. The second manifestation of hate is genuine injury. He hurt me by word or deed. Pain, suffering was caused by this person. Andrew made me suffer. He made me go through pain. And I hate him for it, because his continued existence either puts me in danger, in which case we have that same emotion of fear mulling at the bottom, or his existence reminds me of my pain. And living in such a state of continued reminder of such pain, once again, the root there is fear. And without him there, I will be complete. So the constant feeling of incompleteness, of a lack of authenticity of being myself 
because of his existence, from that emotion arises hate. So we have the two causes of hate. Injury and obstruction. So what to do about it? Rav Hirsch really simply questions the premise. Your completeness, the control you are giving over to another, your completeness is in the other's non-existence. But do you really believe that? If you take as a premise in your life that God exists, that the God of the Tyre is a real phenomena, then the locus of control isn't with his non-existence. It's with you. You can choose whether to be complete or not complete because you know your continuous ability to get things you want isn't completely up to you. It's up to God's blessing. God is the one who bestows and the one who takes away. If you take that premise seriously, someone else standing in your way, it might come or it might not come, but them being there cannot be the only factor that stops it or allows it to come to you. I know that sounds slightly cliché, but that is the point. A cliché is often an idea that's so obvious. If you take the premise seriously, and we're dealing with the first cause of hate, if you take the premise seriously, that what comes to you is in the hands of God, that when it comes to the locust of control, the point of you being able to exhibit control over your completeness, over your feeling of being complete and whole and authentic, you're giving over to the one that you hate and putting it in his existence or non-existence? But that's foolish. Because you're the only one who can decide to be complete. And it is based off a faulty premise. That if he was no longer there, you would get it? What possible guarantee do you have of that? You don't. In which case, this hate which you harbour in your heart, the fear that gives rise to it, is a misplaced fear. And I do recognise it's easy to parrot these ideas over. And my point isn't that someone can simply integrate them, because we can't, we're human. But hearing the ideas give over and ways out being articulated, I think there's a value in it. Because the next ones I find emotionally unsatisfying, but I do think it's true. Someone genuinely caused you pain. Now, I've never experienced true malevolence, but it's suffering like all other suffering. His punishment will come. His just deserts will arrive, and he will suffer. But from your point of view, the experience you go through falls under the category of all other suffering we have. It either has a justification or it doesn't have a justification. The justification from the Jewish standpoint is that we grow from it. If someone is put through a painful situation, they have the ability to develop themselves into the person who can help people based off that experience. You grow from the suffering. That makes the suffering bearable. But that's the Jewish claim. The claim that Rav Hirsch made when we spoke about suffering was that we look at it as a training process, an uplifting process or a waking up process. If that comes to us by the hand of God directly or it comes to us by the hand of someone else, it's still suffering. In one situation, we look to God. In the other situation, we still look to God. Even though the one who was the perpetrator will suffer for the evil that he has done. 
From my point of view, once again looking at the locus of control, the point where the control lies, I approach it by way of training. And then I can bear the pain. So once again, in this second mode of how fear rises up, fear rises up of my inability to feel a complete person if this person's existence continues because of the pain they caused me. And if they were only gone, I wouldn't feel it. Rav Hirsch says, once again, let's question that premise. You're in a state of pain, but like all states of pain, we have a mode to look at that in. A mode that allows the pain and the suffering to be bearable. Not doesn't justify it, but it allows us to bear the pain because we look at it as an opportunity in training from a loving father. That's if we see it directly from God's hand. But if we see it from the hand of another, the premise remains the same. The only difference here is that they will have to answer up for their evil. And they will have to answer up for the pain that they caused you. From your point of view, the control still lies with you. So we spoke about two ways that hate rises up in our lives and how to combat it. But when should we hate? When is the point where, no, it's not hate the sin, it's hate the sinner. And Rav Hirsch says that the idea remains consistent. If someone has so identified themselves with the bad, with the evil, with that which is morally reprehensible, they've thought it through and they continue, for whatever reason, with their disillusionment with reality, with their hate of existence itself, they perpetuate evil. They think about it consciously. They do it. They encourage others. That is something that is no longer an individual who is doing evil. They have identified themselves so completely with the phenomena that you need to hate that. And there's pain that comes along with that hatred. You will be incomplete. And this is a situation where the concept really comes full circle. And the answer is when that evil is destroyed, you will feel more complete. And your lack of completeness is a good thing because it motivates you to fight evil. It motivates you to work towards the destruction of evil. People often discuss this idea of Amalek. What is the idea of Amalek? How does it relate to us? What are we trying to say when we want to eradicate this? The eradication of that which identifies itself so completely with evil that it becomes the outward manifestation. Yes, things are incomplete in the world. You are incomplete. God himself is said to be incomplete when evil persists. Hence hatred that is stemming from fear, but a fear that is justified because you should fear evil, because evil needs that emotion of hate, because its destruction really does allow us to be complete, does allow the world to be complete. Putting this another way, this is really the opposite of the Christian notion of love your enemy, turn the other cheek. This is how Torah morality, or the morality of halacha, integrates both love and justice. There are times you don't seep his humanity from him. His humanity doesn't bleed out. His humanity remains. He's a brother. She's a sister. But if they've so identified with evil, that you should fear. And that motivates its eradication. Because compassion for evil is evil towards the compassionate. So it comes full circle. We avoid hatred. 
because it is stemming from a fear that your completeness is impossible. But that's not true. You have the ability to be complete because you're dealing at the very root with a brother, with a sister, who's a child of God. And they have done evil and they will suffer for that evil and they will have to turn a new leaf and work better to avoid such evil further on in their lives. But it is not our job to hate them. But when it comes to someone who has identified himself so completely with that which is evil, then hatred is good. Hatred stemming from fear of the evil is necessary to motivate us in its eradication. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this was uh, informative and transformative. Have a wonderful week.